Bio podcast. At Optimal Bio, we don't just balance your hormones, we balance your whole body. Our conversations range from nutrition to medicine with an emphasis on wellness tips to support your health journey. If you like what you hear, find us on the web at OptimalBio.com and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Optimal Bio's Wellness Podcast. Today, we are honored to have Deborah Mankey with us. She is one of our providers down in our Mount Pleasant, South Carolina office that's recently been open. Um, I believe we opened back in September of 22. And uh, we're grateful to have her on today to hopefully get to know her a little bit better. So Deborah, how are you today? Thank you. I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me. This is a real privilege to be a part of Optimal Bio. I'm glad you can make it. And I know you're up in the Carry office right now doing some training. So have you been to Carry before and what are your thoughts? Yes, I did my initial training up here. Um, as most people know, this is the flagship office, which um, a lot goes on here. It's very busy. It's perfect for training. And, um, you know, just being a part of the core crew and learning from them is really uh, initiates you into Optimal Bio. Well, the good news about being part of Optimal Bio is that you start and grow an office um, practice uh, area down in Mount Pleasant. And you're kind of at a video distance from Dr. Brandon, but now that you're up here, you get to train with him all day long. So how's that going? That is the key. There's so much to learn from him for sure. And just, you know, as a nurse practitioner, as a, a provider, you want that um, synergy and to um, really have his knowledge and wealth of experience just to infuse in you as a um, as a subset to him. So yeah, it's a real privilege to actually be in Cary again. Well, good stuff. Well, you don't sound like you're from South Carolina, so why don't you uh, give the <laughs> listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. So um, I am a very seasoned nurse um, at, gosh, 38 years. And um, 24 of that, you know, when I started my nursing journey was in critical care. I thought that if I took care of the worst case scenario, everything else would be, be easy. So I did ICU, CCU, emergency room and recovery room. Um, and really the impetus for me to go back to school and become a nurse practitioner for the last 14 years to do functional medicine, holistic nursing, and also I'm an acupuncture detoxification specialist. The impetus was I was working in ER for so many years that it was a revolving door of chronically ill patients. Like for example, abdominal pain. I'd see the same people over and over weekly and they'd get CAT scanned and nothing really changed. And with the healthcare deficit climbing, I just thought, you know, this is the time for me to go back to school to see how I can contribute and what I could do. So at that time I was living in Connecticut. I'm actually a Midwest girl grown up and um, raised, but I was living in Connecticut and Lo and behold, New York University offered the only holistic nurse practitioner program in the country. And it was a dual degree with also with adult primary care. So I came out as um, double certified. And um, so, um, you know, that that experience working in Manhattan, downtown New York, and um, just being exposed to, like Dr. Brannon, being exposed to practices that are way ahead of their time, that with just extraordinary doctors that are doing um, really good medicine um, and explaining why and showing the data was just um, 
just incredible. So I took advantage of a lot of opportunities in that way, um, like I usually do, and just got to work with extraordinary practices, actually like at the Mount Sinai Medical Center, um, contributing to, to research studies on biofeedback and essential oils. And um, Donna Karenda, the fashion designer, did a big study in New York City with um, cancer. And it just, you know, it was very empowering to not only have that primary care background, but holistic and fuse that. So, um, so again, it's just, it's really wonderful to be here, to be practicing in an extraordinary practice with a physician that, you know, it's just ahead of his time and, and doing really good data driven, um, results for, um, our patients. So was there a moment or was there something that, that took place that change your path from this acute care, from this traditional medicine and to, to go back to NYU and, and to you know, get this, this dual degree and, you know, put you on a different path? Well, yeah. So the impetus in the ER was really like, for me, I'm very gut health and hormone health and inflammatory health related. I think like that's the cornerstone of, of how I view wellness. And the thing is, is is when I, you know, was a regular emergency room RN and I kept seeing this revolving door because you never turn patients away, but these people would come in and they would just be CAT scanned over and over. So they're getting this excessive radiation. They're not finding anything, but they're still coming in with the same complaints. Nobody's getting to the root cause. Nobody's fixing anything. Nobody's looking at the whole picture. So that was really the impetus for me to go back for my advanced degree and, um, you know, with it being holistic nurse practitioner, I got the opportunities to work with just fantastic practices that really looked out of the box, but at the whole person. And again, like Optimal Bio, really balancing hormones is the key, not only to how you feel right now, it's so much about your long-term health, longevity. And boy, the data showing that. And so we've come a long way and, um, you know, some of my heroes are these these physicians and these providers that are doing this research to show these health benefits. Again, you feel good now, but you don't realize how you're taking your um, health long term into a totally different direction. I mean, it must have been tough for you too to be in that that type of career for 24 plus years. Um, I mean, you're on the front lines, right? You're not I'm sure. There's some great stories and some positive outcomes, but you're also, you know, every day you're high stress and there's, you know, there's negative outcomes as well. Um, you know, from a stress standpoint, you know, how did you deal with that? How'd you cope with that? Thank you for saying that, you know, for people that still work ER and trauma, it is a lot. And, um, I don't know so much that you become numb to it, but you have to find coping mechanisms and ways to keep yourself well. And of course, you know, we hear a lot about meditation. We hear a lot about working out, about getting outside, about getting away from your job and making sure you have hobbies, um, being connected at church, um, and just making sure that you're not wrapped up in just your work life and your work friends and making sure that you are doing self-care. Um, and so I think really, you know, for me, not only being a holistic and functional medicine board certified nurse practitioner, I want to live it. I want to be that role model because I feel good. How can I tell somebody, hey, you know, what you eat is, is directly affecting your health and 
you know, if you pray or not and have a, a source of a higher power, if you meditate and have that time to yourself to just clear your mind, if if I'm telling people to do that and can't do it myself, then then um, I'm not a good role model, but it's not as clearly conveyed as if people say, hey, are you doing this? And it's like, yes, yes, I feel that this works and I can show you data that supports it as well. So, so those things really um, helped me uh, cope with the stress and the anxiety of working in kind of a high profile, high intense situation in an emergency room, whether um, you're resuscitating a baby or um, it was an opioid overdose. Um, but, um, but, you know, there comes a time that you realize that um, maybe you need a change um, and, or maybe you get frustrated. And that was my impetus for going back to school. It's like, how could these people keep coming in and getting the same news and our healthcare deficit climbing? Like, what can I do to contribute? I've got to go back to school. I have to find out how I can help and um, help be a part of changing healthcare to make people well now, but long-term. So when you're going through this, you know, do you have a certain routine, you know, that you, you know, followed, you know, if you're driving to the hospital, for example, you know, are you got soft music on? Are you meditating? <laughs> Hopefully you're not driving with your eyes closed, um, you know, <laughs> or during that time when you get a break, you know, are you doing something like how kind of a routine? I, I think from a mental health standpoint and also from a, um, you know, physical standpoint, you know, those that are successful um, tend to have routines, right? Exercising becomes a habit. Um, you know, stress relief almost becomes a habit as well um, when, it's, when it's predictable stress. Um, so, you mm -hmm. know, if you had that routine, can you describe that to us? What was it? Gosh, um, you know, I feel like I've really expanded on some of those habits and it's really eating, sleeping, exercise, and stress reduction. And I say eating, sleeping, and stress and, and exercise because, you know, when we're stressed, we eat comfort foods, you know, but when you flip-flop that and you're putting something really nourishing, like I, I've transformed through those emergency room um, years to juice. I'm a big juicer. The nutrients that we get from juicing is great. So instead of grabbing a Coke, which I never did, but coffee was always really common in the emergency room, like an unending cup of coffee, but drinking juice and more water, you know, half your body weight in ounces of water daily. So, you know, what you eat really greatly affected grabbing a candy bar. No, maybe grabbing a granola bar, um, you know, when you didn't have time for a shift break or, or a meal, um, but driving to work. I fuel myself with something good for me, not a stimulant or excess caffeine. Um, and I love my coffee, but there's a limit. You know, also sleep, you know, make sure I was rested. If I didn't have a good night's sleep the night before I'm going to work and driving in my commute to work, which was like 45 minutes, I would take, I'd lay down before I, you know, went um, to work. So that was the sleep portion. Exercise. Exercise is funny for me because I've always believed in challenging my body. And um, I am, I've done a lot of little mini triathlons. I've done half marathons. Um, for my 50th birthday, I did a 120 mile bike ride for most, multi, multiple sclerosis. And I just love exercise. I think it's very freeing. It's how I deal with stress, how I think more clearly. Um, and my body just feels so good after. So um, that was the 
that also I'd make sure I got a run or something in before I left for work. And then I never closed my eyes driving, but the stress reduction would be exactly, usually classical music. What was harder, the 125-mile bike ride or the marathon or the half marathon (laughs) or all the other stuff that you've done? That's an interesting question. You know, um, it was never the events. What's really interesting is that when, whenever anybody wants to embark on challenging their body, whether it's a 5K race or whatever it is, it's really more about the training and investing that time and energy to do it. And because sometimes you're like, gosh, I really need to get a run in three times a week because my event's coming up, but I don't feel like it, like I, or the weather's not good. And so it's really more about the training because the day of the event, you're so pumped up. You're like, I'm going to do this. I, you know, I'm going to check this off my box. That 120 mile bike ride for multiple sclerosis was in all honesty, 65 miles one way with an overnight in these cabins, um, in upstate Connecticut, um, and there was no, uh, there was no, uh, there was no TV. There was electricity, but um, it was just an overnight. And then, and it was uphill going there, and it was downhill coming back. So it was a little bit easier on the the downswing. But um, the purpose was great. It was like I said for multiple sclerosis. It was a fundraiser, and it was to celebrate my birthday too. So. <laughs> Double whammy. Um, uh, yeah. I, so I lived in Connecticut, so I'm familiar with the state. So where did you start and where did you, where was your overnight? Oh my gosh. So that was um, Hammonasset State Park is where you started, which is such a beautiful state park. And you rode along the court, the, the coastline of the Long Island Sound. And then you crossed the Connecticut River at the Opera House and you ended up going up pretty steady Devil's Hop Yard, it's called. And then um, those cabins were at the top of that. But um, the majority of the ride along the coastline was so beautiful because who doesn't like to, you know, view water and, and the coast, especially while you're biking. But the thing about biking and cycling is, is um, you can trail off the person in front of you. And it's not that you don't have to pedal, but you could kind of trail off them. Sure. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's the what's that called? That's what's the official thing that that's called. Um, it'll come to me. Um, um, drafting. You draft stuff. Drafting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We take these bike trips um, on a regular basis and to different parts of the country, and uh, it's it, it, nothing better. I think sometimes than being on a bike, especially when there's no cars around, and you know you can you know you focus a little bit more on where you're dri- riding to and what you're doing and. Um, but it does help to be in a group because every once in a while, if you get a little tired, you can just get behind somebody, especially when it's windy out. Yeah. For people that haven't gone, gotten on a bike in a long time, it brings you back to being a child. It, it is wonderful. It's freeing. It's fun. So you're in Connecticut, you're commuting back and forth to New York, and then you eventually get to South Carolina. And, um, where did you work when you were in South Carolina before you came to automobile? Um, well, you know, gosh, Everybody has a COVID story. You know, the two years, um, the, the, right before I, I came on to Optimal Bio, those two years, um, I really invested myself. I wanted to contribute to what was happening. So I actually tried to work up in New York and um, because they were um, trying to hire people from all over the country to go up and, and you know, help in some of those areas but um, that were really inundated with, uh, with illness and 
yeah, the hospitals being over flooded. But, um, you know, locally, with people being ill, so many offices were closed that people were sick and needed treatments. And so I was commuting. I did some contracting work. I was commuting actually over to um, um, Myrtle Beach, Polly's Island, Myrtle's Inlet area to help out in a cancer clinic for people that were getting integrative cancer treatments that still wanted to continue with their treatments. But, you know, everything, a lot of people were shut down. I also got to work in this really extraordinary practice, this anti-aging practice that did really great things for people that were sick with COVID to help their immune system. Um, and that was just phenomenal too. So, so I kind of burned out after, um, I really kind of spread myself thin. So I was taking some time off before um, I worked. I was got a recruiter called me from um, um, wondering if I was interested in in meeting with Tyler and Aaron. And, and that was a deal breaker as soon as I met with them. I just thought, yeah, the timing's right. I'm rested. There's a new office starting in Charleston. Like, this is perfect timing. This is great. I want to be a part of this and build it. Yeah, I think the thing that I struck me with Optimo Bio during that time was, and looking back on it too, I felt like, you know, the, our health leaders should have been espousing these as well, which was taking personal responsibility for your health, right? Um, you know, taking, eating healthy foods, exercising, um, you know, taking vitamin D3 and zinc and C and, you know, some of these other supplements that are known to, you know, help with your, uh, with your immune protection. And the fact that they, you know, went out and told everybody to stay inside for the most part and not go outside, not get sunlight, not walk, um, you know, separate, you know, from your loved ones. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's emotional stress with that, um, along with everything else. And, you know, the, yes, we had to protect the vulnerable, but we certainly, you know, there's a lot of healthy people, I think that were, you know, affected by that as well. And, um, so at the time, at least we, you know, we were open and, um, you know, through, you know, the research that Dr. Brandon had done, um, you know, for hopefully for, you know, a lot of us, you know, just trying to become as healthy as possible to make sure your immunities were up. Um, you know, hopefully then if you did get it, you know, it was mild and, uh, you moved, you moved on at that point in time. Um, and that's what I kind of meant before when I was asking about that. I mean, from a, you know, prior to that, you know, it sounds like you were uh, in touch with and on top of, um, you know, fine tuning your body, right? Um, you know, you're, you obviously talked about your routines before and, you know, be, being selective in what you eat and, you know, supplements and things like that. Um, but going through it at the time and now looking back at it now, um, you know, I do think for some of us, at least, you know, we, we learned a lot, you know, in terms of what we can do for ourselves uh, going forward. So I don't know if you had that same experience or not. There's some really extraordinary physicians that um, have done a lot of research, not just in our country, but worldwide, globally, um, on the efficacy of supplementation. Um, you had mentioned some of the biggies, and that is, you know, vitamin D, obviously, um, fish oil, um, even resveratrol. Um, vitamin C, quercetin, um, just, yeah, amazing results from, again, bolstering or making some of your levels very robust that, you know, um, uh, 
that turn on our immune system, that initiate, you know, um, those factors, those antioxidants and, um, um, again, Treg cells, lymphocytes, that what we need to fight off like basic colds, basic viruses, not to say that COVID was basic in any way, shape or form, but when we, you know, um, have robust levels and nutrient levels, whether it's from supplements or whether it's from a whole foods diet and we have good, strong gut health, then, you know, we can take on um, something that comes our way, a flu, a virus, RSV, um, or a combination. And unfortunately, you, you, we are hearing more and more people that are sick with like double, double uh, viruses. So, um, so it's never too late um, and you want to work with somebody qualified to make sure you are taking good quality supplementation, not just anything off the shelf, um, because not all supplements are created equal and you want to know what dose you need specifically too. So, um, and lab levels can be checked for those nutrient levels to make sure they're optimal for you. Yeah, um, it's interesting because my brother, he seems like he's, I don't know, struggling with some some of these viruses, some of these colds every once in a while. And, you know, I told him years ago, I said, hey, you got to, you know, eat healthier, but also, you know, take D3 and um, not D, but D3 and, you know, some of the other supplements as well. And he's like, so I, you know, recommended, you know, since he's never been on it before to start out at 10,000, although I'm not a doctor. And uh, he, uh, you know, he went to the Mayo Clinic website and they recommended 1,000. And so I said, how's that working out for you? And, um, you know, his levels, I guess he got tested the other day and he's somewhere around 40 or 42. And um, I said, well, the Mayo's going to want you at 1,000 because they want to see you at some point in time. It was a joke, but, um, you know, he didn't find it too funny. Um, anyhow, when you're seeing a patient and you're going through their labs, um, and, you know, one thing about Optimal Bio that I really like is that it's personalized medicine. Like every all the providers recognize that every body is different. Every person is different. So how do you then figure out, you know, how do you assess, you know, what it is that, you know, each individual, um, how do you customize that package for them and recommend, um, you know, certain supplements or, or for them not to do supplements? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? Great question. Yes. It's very much, whether you're in a primary care office, whether you're going to a specialty practice like this, it should be individualized. Not it's not cookie cutter. Not everybody needs vitamin C one thousand milligrams. Um, you know, you look at the person, you assess them, and you know, you really want um, a, a thorough intake. You want to know what they're eating, what they're not eating. How are they exercising, sleeping? What are their symptoms? Um, you know, what kind of um, symptomatology are they having that they're coming to you? Because we know a lot of really basic vitamins can be so powerful for our immune system, but taking it a step further and kind of related, but on the other end of this is our soil is mineral, not mineral rich anymore. It's mineral depleted. And so even if you're a really healthy eater or call yourself one eating a lot of fruits and vegetables or vegetables from the ground, from soil, um, the thing is, is a lot of us need extra minerals and extra vitamins. So, you know, to answer your question, it's very multifactorial and it's very 
individually based on what that person needs. Levels can be tested, um, but even just some of the basics. We know, for example, zinc supplementation, for example, can be 30 to 50 milligrams a day for people. Selenium, 200. Um, you know, iodine, at least 12.5. You know, the thing is, is we know some of the basic and some ranges as practitioners that are very effective for people, but maybe they need to be at the higher end of the, the range. When we look at lab values of certain nutrients and, for example, vitamin D, you know, Dr. Michael Pollack has been around for a long time and has done incredible research at vitamindcouncil.org. And that's just one site. Anybody that looks up vitamin D now will see it's not a vitamin, first of all. It's a steroidogenic hormone. We take it very serious here at Optimal Bio because... Gosh, what doesn't it affect? It affects your bones. It affects your brain health. It affects your heart health. It affects your cholesterol. It affects your immune system. It goes on and on, and it keeps getting studied. But the interesting thing is, is the lab range is 30 to 100, for example, on some mainstream um, lab companies like LabCorp, for example, um, 30 to 100. But some of these extraordinary, extraordinary doctors and practices are saying, you know what, 60 to 100, not over the range, but the upper end has amazing health benefits. Dr. Brannon takes it a step further, 80 to 100. There's definitely a plethora of studies and the literature clearly demonstrates it's anti-carcinogenic, anti-cancer. Now, Sign me up because anything that we can do to prevent cancer is so important. Whether you're a cancer survivor, whether you have a strong history, strong genetic family history. So again, when we're looking at these levels, we know what some optimal doses are. Like you said, your brother kind of maybe was um, not encouraged to take more than a thousand IUs. And just for the record, this is the one vitamin that's not milligrams. It's international units, IUs. So... You know, 5,000 is not unusual, you know, 10,000 is not unusual, but it depends on what your needs are and um, if someone's monitoring your levels. So very customized. And, and that's what we do at Optimal Bio. We're very individual, individual medicine. It's not cookie cutter. All right. So let's talk a little bit about yourself, um, your diet, you know, what, what, what do you thrive on? You know, what do you, what's a typical day look like for you? Oh, goodness. So... So I always start my day with juice, and I'm sure a lot of um, my coworkers are laughing as they listen to this because they'll see me with my celery juice shaking it in the morning. So I do do a juice to go um, if I'm not at home, but otherwise I do it in my blender, my Vitamix. So I always start my day after fasting all night um, with a juice. And I do believe in intermittent fasting. I, I think it's very, very critical for your body. You know, it goes back to how our grandparents were raised and, and, and lived. You know, our grandparents' generation lived the healthiest and the longest. And it's amazing. And I can remember going over to my grandparents when I was a little girl. And my grandparents would be sitting in their easy chairs, you know, at 7 p.m. at night. And they had this one scoop of ice cream in their dish and they were watching something funny or a game show and they ate that little ice cream and that's all they had and they had nothing else till 7 a.m. 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. nothing and they were hungry in the morning and they actually got up and worked in the yard and in the fields and stuff but you know 
The thing is, is, is when we intermittent fast, it gives our body a, a time to reset, our liver to reset, and everything to just, um, you know, be optimized for the next day. Your pancreas, liver, gallbladder, they all need to reset and, and be optimal. But, um, you know, so what is it that you put in your body first thing in the morning? For me, it's juice, and I think that's crucial, or really good filtered water. Um, so that's how I start my day. Then through the day, I believe that it's really important to have six to nine servings of vegetables. And it can be anything. Hopefully it's a lot of greens, but six to nine might seem like a lot, but sometimes a serving is a handful or a half a cup or whole cup. But when you juice, here's a little tip, when you juice, you're actually getting like five or six servings and you're just drinking it down. So it's really easy. And because it's juiced and your stomach's empty, it's very easily absorbed. You get those nutrients so simply. So it's fantastic for you. So you can check off like almost four or five vegetables just by drinking my juice. And then I have a salad during the day. Um, I've had had years where I've been vegetarian and almost vegan, but um, it takes a toll on your body and you really need to replenish those amino acids you can only get from animal products. So um, I do incorporate meat, but I think, I think the key is, is the quality, where it's coming from, and the quantity. And a lot of people don't realize the quality and quantity of your meat. You want pasture-fed, happy if, if you can know the farm that that meat came from or that it was raised well and antibiotic-free, et cetera, but pasture-fed. It was out in the, on the range and eating grass. But the serving is supposed to be the palm of your hand. It's not these double, triple burgers and, and huge steaks that look really impressive on the, on the plate. It's actually, you know, something smaller. So, um, and then you're supposed to have all those vegetables with it. So, so that's, um, that's basically my, my routine. Um, I do love really good chocolate. So that's kind of my go-to when I have a sweet tooth. Um, I have certain brands that I really like. So, um, but I haven't always been that way. I've, I've grown I've grown into this health habit and I feel amazing because I really feel like one of my mantras is you are what you eat, but even you are what you don't eat enough of. So, you know, as a functional medicine board certified practitioner, food is medicine. And maybe a lot of people think that's an old, um, that cliche is kind of old, but it really is. And if we ate more like our grandparents and how they ate, I think... Um, a lot of us would be healthier. And, you know, we, you know, we talked about COVID, we talked about supplementation. It shouldn't be about taking all these supplements. And I'm the first one to raise my hand. I take a plethora of vitamins that I know I need and can benefit from, and I feel great taking them, but I should get my nutrients from whole foods um, and good grass-fed um, meats. So... So besides chocolate, if you are going to indulge, um, what are some of your other... Just so we know that you're human, what are some of the other mm -hmm. things that you like? Well, I do like good custard. So, and hopefully it's, you know, locally sourced um, cream and milk. So there's a really good one down the street from this carry office. But again, it's um, serving sizes, portions, and how often you do it. And the thing is, is I feel like... Um, you know, in all these years of, of practicing that we've just gotten off track. We celebrate every day. We have caffeine, sugar, and alcohol 
too often instead of just on the weekends. Um, so it's not, it's not a treat anymore. Um, it's, it's like we're recreationally eating every day. So again, those good habits you have every day really turn you into having a robust immune system or maybe sluggish and your sugar levels are too high, your hemoglobin A1C, your glycemic markers, even your fasting insulin levels are too high. In terms of your exercise now, what do you do? I love yoga. Um, I love power yoga. I love hot yoga. Um, but I do miss doing my mini triathlons because I love to run, bike, and swim. Love it. Um, I have an old labral tear of my hip, so I'm not running anymore, but I substitute other things in. So I'm still biking, swimming, and a lot of yoga. And then I'm throwing this out there, but I am a pickleball fanatic. I love it. It is fantastic for for the exercise, for the social part, um, and just... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I mean, I laugh as much as I play hard. I, I like to win, but um, not at the cost of um, um, being on a, like a, a high intense team or anything like that. So, um, but again, just, you know, exercise in moderation. And the thing is, is, is when we have an injury, sometimes we think that we're set back, but I feel like there's um, a bigger message there. It's time to shift your body into something else. You don't have to keep up such a rigorous, high intense pace. And so um, I never thought I'd stop doing triathlons. I was always invigorated when they write your number on the back of your calf and you're out there running. And like, um, you know, I'm in my 50s running and I see the lady in front of me has 76 on her calf. And I'm like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be running till I'm in, at least in my 70s. Well, I had this tear and I'm like, well, I guess I won't, but I'll do other things instead. So what do you like to read? Mm. Ah, gosh. Um, I, I love functional medicine. Um, I love to read some of the other functional medicine providers books. I like Dr. Mark Hyman's books. Dr. Jeff, Jeffrey Bland is amazing too. He, um, writes the disease delusion. Um, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald also has um, an anti-aging book that deals with methylation, which is fantastic. So um, I feel like I'm always just kind of empowering my brain with, you know, more education on um, that, which I love, which is, again, um, it's for me, this triad of balancing your hormones, about good gut health and about inflammation and keeping that level low. Back to your books. Um, you you know, besides the medical books that you read, are you, do you, any murder mysteries or romantic novels, like anything that's, like you seem, you seem like the type of person that likes to have fun, but I'm, so far you haven't really described a lot of stuff other than, you know, chocolate and custard that, you know, um, yeah, shows that you're a little bit of human. So, you know, what oh. else do we need to know about you? Oh gosh, I love to travel. Um, you, you know, I, I do love to dance. Um, and that's that whole phrase where, you know, dance like nobody's watching. So, um, yeah, when I'm out on the dance floor, I like to just kind of cut loose, but, um, I do love to travel. And, um, you know, as far as reading books, you know, again, it really supports who I am. Um, I have my favorite, um, meditation and, um, positive affirmation authors that, just really inspire me every day. But um, 
But, you know, I, I like to also, I get out and I volunteer. You know, there is such an empowering um, sense of self that you can't buy or earn when you volunteer because it gets you out of your head. It gets you away from, you know, uh, what you do, which is a part of who you are, but not completely. But helping other people that are less fortunate and don't have the opportunities as you, it's really powerful. So, um, so when I try and do something new every year, I have my favorites, but um, for this, for example, this year at Christmas, um, I work with the Salvation Army with Angel Tree, and that was really fascinating because, um, gosh, this year was really meaningful at Christmas. To volunteer there, um, we packaged so many bags for four kids. Their parents had to apply for gifts that they couldn't afford for their kids under the tree, basic things. Um, and like I would put a book and a jacket in with maybe a scooter. Um, so you had all these donations and then you had to take these wish lists and bag them specifically with these names. So um, so I, I love to volunteer. I think that's really important. Um, I also work with our local East Cooper Meals on Wheels and um, you know they supply home cooked meals for people stuck at home. But they take it a lot farther than that. They make sure that their batteries, their remote controls have batteries in it, that their thermostat's working, that they have blankets, that their light bulbs are working. You know, so they don't just go in and drop off food and that's it. Um, um, Florence Crittenden Home. Florence Crittenden Home is actually around the country in different states. And um, teens, displaced teens for whatever reason, um, displaced from their homes and are pregnant and decide to have the baby can go there and they can actually continue to go to school. I'll go there and, and help them teach them some life skills, just sit with them, talk, laugh. We might do our nails, um, but the people care about them. Um, so, you know, volunteering uh, is very exciting too. You know, when I'm trying to get off the grid from kind of all my day-to-day -day habits, whether it's meditation, exercise, and volunteering, like I said, I love to travel. I love to see the world. Um, and um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't read murder, murder mysteries, at least not yet. <laughs> so if one wanted to volunteer at all these places, I mean, is there a specific site that you go to, or is it just through the community, through church, through whatever that you're getting connected to some of these uh, places? Yeah. Um, you just would want to hone in on what your community needs or what you're interested in. Um, you know, I, I do volunteer at church also, but um, um, it's a good, that's a good starting point or just going to your town hall and just seeing, you know, what kind of activities um, um, or collections they do. And it kind of will steer you in the right direction. Um, you know, I'm, I'm involved with our newcomers club in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, the East Cooper Newcomers Club. And we do a lot of philanthropy. Um, um, for example, we're hosting a fashion show and all the proceeds go to um, this boys, displaced boy, boys home that's called. Um, um, oh, gosh, I was just telling Tyler about it earlier. Um, well, it goes to this displaced boys home. Um, and also the MUSC, the Medical University of South Carolina's art and healing program. So, um, you know, just philanthropy and, you know, helping other people, especially if you're local, you don't have to go drive far away. Um, there's always food collections. There's always work at church, you know, usually with some kind of um, 
shelter or feeding the homeless. Um, and that's a great way to start. But I think you're more empowered to continue if it's something that you're really interested in. Um, and it's not work. You look forward to going. You look forward to making a difference because you're setting your, your life and all of you aside to help somebody else. No, I agree. To what they say, the more you give, the more you receive. Mm. Mm. So I want to go back to the juice because I've been thinking about this for a little while. I think a lot of people <laughs> don't dream about, nor do they consume pure vegetable juice because quite frankly, it doesn't really taste good, right? So are there any little tricks of the trade that you implement to make it taste a little better, like throwing a little lemon juice in there or some sweetener or some fruit? Like how do you, you know, I'm sure you didn't start by saying, man, I really love this straight kale juice um, or, <laughs> you know, celery juice. Um, so for our audience, at least, if you wanted to, them to take baby steps, what are some of the things they might be able to do to get those vegetables inside those bodies, but make it more tolerable? Sure. So juicing has come a long way and juicing really, the essence of juicing is pulverizing vegetables and pulling out that fiber so you're only drinking the juice. Sometimes I'll drink the fiber too because fiber is very, very good for our body. Um, but true juice is just the liquid and extracting the fiber. So depending on what you're doing, kale, spinach, you know, whatever, yes, it could be tasting very, very alkaline. And that's what it's doing to your pH of your body. You know, it's be your, your body's becoming more alkaline versus acidic from dairy and, and meats and et cetera. We become very alkaline from plants and juicing. So, um, you know, there's a lot of tricks. Um, you know, you can buy juices already made that are organic and cold pressed if you're cheating. And that's what I do when I'm busy and out the door or first thing in the morning until I get back and then I'll make a fresh one at home. But um, there's brands that you can buy um, that are straight celery juice with a little bit of lemon. And um, certainly there's also powdered mixes that can be amazing for you. Amazing green grass organic powder is amazing. You know, it certainly is better than doing nothing versus mm -hmm. and, and the quality of whatever mix you're buying versus doing nothing um, is great. So you might say, you know what, I want to try and start doing more greens like spinach and kale, but I'm not sure I could choke it down. So sure, you can add some kind of sweetener. You could add like green apple. You know, green apples and berries are lowest sugar fruits versus bananas and grapes. Bananas and grapes are on one spectrum. You got your um, berries and your green apples, not red, on the other end. So, so a lot of people that have juicing recipes will have, for example, two or three greens, a sweetener, a piece, part of a green apple or a green apple, and then they usually add something good for liver detoxification, like um, a lime or a lemon. And that's kind of a classic juice mix if you're doing it yourself. Two or three greens, a lemon or a lime, and green apple, because you're not overpowering it with too much sugar. Because, you know, fructose, sugar fruit, you know, really offsets kind of the benefits of what you're trying to accomplish. So you have juicing, but you can also do, I'm a big smoothie person, so I forgot to mention that. Like for breakfast, I most always have a smoothie way after my juice. And again, pre-digested foods, 
kind of like when we were babies and we had applesauce and just liquids and stuff. Pre-digested foods absorb in your gut so quickly and easy and you get those nutrients. Your, your body doesn't have to work so hard to break food down because it's liquid. So smoothies are a great way to start your day. And so people will usually throw some kale in their protein powder. It might be chocolate, but the quality of your protein powder with some berries or some kale, you know, some green, and that can be so powerful too. So some people will, because, because we become addicted to sugar or sweet or the taste of things, will put more fruit in some of these um, smoothies or juices and still call them that. But um, really the bottom line, the best quality, if you really want to juice, make your gut a little bit more alkaline, you want to get the greens in and maybe just sweeten it with green apple. Great tips. I like it. So um, as always, when we end our podcast, we ask for you know, the host, not the host, that's me, um, the guest to... Give us five takeaways, anything that you've picked up in life, anything that uh, you feel like you want to share um, that'll hopefully provide some inspiration or some knowledge, you know, to our listeners. So hopefully you're ready for this question. Hmm. Okay. Five. Let's see. Food is medicine. So you are what you eat, but you also are what you don't eat enough of. And we all know that. Um, juice, if you can, that's one way to get some really great nutrients in, intermittent fasting. Um, get outside, you know, not just for exercise. You know, we're programmed to be outside as humans. We're programmed to get our hands in the dirt and our feet in the soil or the sand. And it's so important because it gets us out of our head. You know, it gets us away from electronics. Um, it makes us happy. Um, we need to be in Mother Nature. You know, that, that's why it's there. So um, really powerful. You know, the other thing about getting outside is we are exposed to so many positive ions, computers, phones, microwaves, um, our digital TVs. We get all this positive ion exposure. And just because you don't, can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. But when you're in a rainstorm, sitting on your porch and it's raining, you go to the beach, you um, go to a butterfly garden, you have this overwhelming sense of like, ah, like you feel really good. And that's the negative ions that are counterbalancing all these positive ions we get from our regular daily American lives. So getting outside is really powerful. Um, number three, get your hormones balanced. That's you know, that's a biggie. You know, it is such a beautiful world that we live in, our country, our world. But the truth is, it's a very toxic world. And our bodies have the ability to detoxify itself. But you're struggling if your hormones are low. And, you know, that's really important. You know, there's LED lights that we're under that we don't feel good. There's pesticides, insecticides, fungicides in our foods. You know, there's dioxins and BPA from plastics that we drink out of. You know, we can clear those toxins, but if you're struggling and your hormones are low, you know, call us, you know, get an evaluation. Um, create your wellness from the inside out, again, with your hormones with your gut health, um, with what you eat. Super important. Is that five? I think that covers it, yeah. Volunteer. Well, thank you for your time today. This is great. Glad uh, we get a chance to 
get to know you more and I'm looking forward to continue working with you and um, I wish you nothing but the best of luck down in Mount Pleasant and if you're in the area you know come visit Optimal Bio down there and say hello to Deborah. thank you please do thank you all so very much This has been a production of Optimal Bio. Optimal Bio is CEO Tyler Brannon, podcast host and partner Jim Baker, medical director Greg Brannon, production assistance by Core Media, Beth Grabencourt, administrator, Kevin Duthu, executive producer. The podcast can be found on our website, optimalbio.com, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme song is Sunwave by Paradiso, provided by Epidemic Sound. 